Welcome to DMs of Vancouver. The show where we talk to our awesome friends and amazing guests about how to help you become a better GM for your tabletop games, or review games that we've played recently from a GM and a player perspective. I'm Jesse Boros, and my pronouns are he, him. I'm Sean Hagen, and my pronouns are also he, him. Uh, We're your co-hosts for this podcast, and we've got another great episode for you. This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. In recognition of that, we ask that you please support Raven, a charity that helps support Indigenous people throughout Canada. You can find them at raventrust.com. So what are we talking about, Jesse? Today we are talking about Subway Runners by Gem Room Games. We hope you enjoy the show. Subway Runners. Yeah, so... Subway Runners, as I mentioned, is by Gemroom Games, which is a two-people company that makes games on itch. Um, they can be found at gemroom, gemroomgames.itch.io slash subwayrunners. Uh, and the game co- only costs about $3, so it's pretty cheap to pick up. And if you got that bundle for racial equality, racial justice? Yeah, I think it's racial justice. Um, on itch way back a while ago it it's on there you you already have it um but uh enough about where you can find it and how much it costs we need to talk about the conceit of the game yes do you want to take a crack at it sean Uh, i was gonna say that uh we played this uh for the cave goblin charity stream that we did in november uh jesse was the gm and i was a player along with Haley Boros, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Um, um, and also, I ran it another time for our friends, and uh, two of whom have been past guests, uh, Jason Romain, Ray Blackmore, and our friend V as well. And the game, the conceit of the game, the 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 fluff, the story, is that uh, it's set on Earth, everyone's immortal now, and all the good jobs are taken so the only thing left is the gig economy and the game focuses on uh the gig economy of being a subway runner which are the people who go uh down into the subways and try to fix whatever problem has befallen a subway line and uh there's also magic and it's silly and it's fun yeah so the the kind of tag quote little package of uh, intro from the company itself is life is tough for the cash strapped in Hosiopolis. Ever since the secret of immortality was discovered, nobody retires anymore with all the steady jobs taken and no sign of any new ones opening up. There's only one sure way to make some quick cash sign up as a subway runner and work for the Metro authority to hunt monsters and repair subline subway lines below the city. Um, so part of how this works uh, with immortality uh, and we kind of discovered this as playing uh, as we were playing. You can die, so you're not indestructible. You just don't a like die of old age. Yeah, and that was confusing. But I think it was confusing for me because my brain wasn't working properly, and for some reason, I think this is just like a pop culture thing that when when somebody is said to be, um, and my brain is blanking on the word now for never ages immortal immortal yes that one uh when a character is said to be immortal like usually there's a you know 
you know, subclause. It's like, and they're also invulnerable. Like that's usually, it's usually a package deal in pop culture. And I think while we were playing, that's what was throwing me is that like, I'm immortal and invulnerable because that's a package deal usually. And like, no, not, not the case in this game because otherwise there kind of are no stakes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I admit I had the same kind of thing going on until I was like, wait a minute, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, so the game itself uh, runs on a modified version of the Forged in the Dark system, which some listeners um, may be familiar with if they've ever played Blades in the Dark. Um, so Forged in the Dark is kind of a serial numbers filed off uh, engine based on the Blades in the Dark one, by the same people who made Blades in the Dark, uh, which basically basically how it works. Players have ranks and abilities. Uh, when they use those abilities, they roll the appropriate number of D6s. So if you have a rank of four, you roll four D6s. One six is a full success. Multiple sixes is a critical. Four to five is a partial success. And one to three is a bad outcome, with those numbers being the highest roll you have uh, between those dice. Uh, also of note, if you have zero in a skill, you roll two d6s and take the lowest. Um, and kind of as an extension of this, if you do not have even zero ranks in a, in a skill, at least my assumption is you cannot try and roll it. You are unable to do that thing. Yeah. And just as a clarification, because I know this tripped me up when we were first going over the rules, is that the dice pool, it's... it's you. Like Jesse's example, if your skill is four, you roll four and you take the highest dice. It's not like a combining thing, right? Yeah, it's not cumulative. It's the highest di- or result you have. And then if you have multiple sixes is when you get a critical. Right. The, yeah, the only time that you, you that multiple dice count is if more than one is a six. Yeah. Um, the other very important thing about this system is that without doing some serious work you won't be able to make a character uh instead characters are randomly generated using a table or using a website kind of put together by the authors of the game or using a sub part of firstchance.org that is set up by the creators of the game um, which i think is actually the big fun part of this game is that everything is kind of randomly generated. Yeah, I I really like the the idea that to generate a character like it works really well for like doing a stream game or a one shot or like you have a bunch of friends over and you know you all decide like hey let's pick up a game and play having these this kind of like you just go to a website reload until you find a character you're like or you just take the first one and go with it. Um, I really like that idea. I do want to go back really quickly, though, to that. Um, if if you don't have a, at least a zero in a skill, you can't use it, because I think that that could be more clearly spelt out in the rules, because that was not clear to us, because I think it took us like halfway through the session before we realized like, oh, we can't roll if we don't have at least a zero. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I know uh, as far as the zero thing itself goes, initially we all kind of looked at it sideways and went, that doesn't make any sense until we thought about it more. And then we're like, oh, no, yeah, because with taking the lowest, you have a higher chance of getting a one, two, a three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so 
I think there's something to that. I do think the the rules are pretty sparse. The game is only like 30 some odd pages long. Uh, and I do think that's partially because it's a game that was mostly, I think it was made during the pandemic, like during the early days of it in a pretty short period of time. It, it's meant to be a quick pick up and play game um, that's really fun and that's easy to play with your friends and where you don't need to like spend a bunch of time with pen and paper writing stuff. Yeah. I do think uh, part of the downside to that for some people is that like, yeah, there there's stuff missing from the rules. And that might also be partially based around the assumption that maybe people who are playing it have played Blades in the Dark or have the rules for them, which, to be fair, if they got them in that bundle, they do, um, and have maybe looked at that close or are maybe more familiar with that than we were when we ran the game. Yeah, there was a lot of um, having not played Blades in the Dark before. My experience was that there was a lot of uh, like looking at the sheet and then wanting to do something and then looking through the sparse rules and then us having to talk about it for like a minute or two and then be like, okay, this is how we're going to do this thing. And then realizing like half an hour later, like, Oh wait, no, this is how it works. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so the interesting thing about the game is something that I think you kind of touched on there. It's like, it is a game where the players and the DM work together to kind of establish the tone and the style as well as the calls about mechanics and dice and consequences um so like part of it is we're all supposed to talk about what happens um which is i think a thing we missed when we first started playing it i think we picked it up a bit as we went on um but it's very like it's a discussion game and well the dm still runs the gig and the adventure they are like they are supposed to be more of a player. Yeah, it's it's one of those games that falls kind of more into the like the rules are very like because there's games where they say in the rule book like these rules are a guideline, but they're a guideline in the sense that like OSHA is a guideline, like you should follow it pretty closely. Um, but there's games where when they say these rules are a guideline, it's really just like this is a base for you to play a game on top of. And for subway runners, like you said, as we started to discover, like the fun was kind of in like discussing like, oh, I want to use my magic to do a thing. And then somebody else would say like, oh, well, what if this is how you use it? And then like we talk about like how this thing could get resolved. And and then we the person would roll. And then like, you know, if it's a success, like, cool, we did the thing. If it's a partial success, oh, what what does that mean? Then we'd have a little bit more discussion. Or if it was a failure, like, okay, how does this fail in an entertaining way? And it's it's different than the game like D&D where it's, you know, you roll and the result is you did the thing or you didn't do the thing. And it's kind of unspoken that it's GM fiat as to how you fail. But success is thing happens. Yeah, which is uh, a thing I really like about the game like because that's how i run a lot of dnd is like if somebody fails and they're like okay but i want it to be this this thing that is kind of funny and silly that that's like those are my favorite moments especially or even if it's serious and dramatic but where the player is like yeah no i fail in this way and i'm just like uh, whenever that comes up unless it's one of those things where they're like trying to like make their failure a success really yeah uh, that's my those are some of my favorite moments when i'm running 
D&D or other games. So I really like that about the game, that it encourages that. Yeah, and it's it's something that I've seen in in games that have this fail, partial fail success, is that that, that gray area of partial success seems to be the the doorway into like that table discussion of how does this role actually resolve where it's kind of it's a discussion amongst all the players and the gm to, as to how it resolves rather than the gm just saying you know yeah it succeeded so you do the thing oh it failed well guards bust through the door because you took too long trying to pick the lock or or even in the cases where the player says like, Oh, can I fail this way? Like that's like, there are GMs like yourself and myself as well, who try to encourage that kind of play, but it's not encouraged by the way the rules work. And that's what I like about the subway runner system is that having that partial success gets the players thinking about like, okay, what does a partial success mean? And then they'll start thinking about, well, what does a failure mean? What does success actually look like? And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, I would like to go back quickly to a thing we kind of skipped ahead to and then jumped back from um, <laughs> is the the randomly generated really entire like mini campaigns or adventures of this game because right, it's not yes. just characters. Um, so ba- the basic structure of the game is the players make like choose their characters. Uh, there are often odd coincidences because, and this is, I think, both if you're only playing it like one time, a strength. But if you play it more times, a bit of a weakness of the game is that the the randomly generated characters are fairly limited. So there's often overlap. Um, that can be great. Like you and Haley had the coincidence where you both ended up as part of the same cult. Um, And that was, that was like a great little character thing and stuff like that. And then the other game I ran, two of the players ended up being having the same last name. So they decided they were like cousins from this giant family. (laughs) Um, So you have stuff like that, but that, that often does mean that like you might be refreshing multiple times if you, you know, don't want to play or don't want everyone in your party to have like rainbow hair or mohawks or whatever. Yeah. And this is, this is something that uh, like we, we discussed this immediately after on the stream, I think, but it's something that I also um, I think is, is, is a strength of the way that the generator is set up is that you can edit the generator. So you can take the generator that, perchance has made for subway runners and the editor for it is fairly straightforward. Like, um, like for example, um, for magic, like the, you have a magic domain and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight magic domains from turnip to laser to, to rock to magnet. And what I like about the way this generator works is that like, if I wanted to up that to 20, I could just go into the generator, add a bunch more magic domains, and then save it. And I think use that. Like, I think I'd, I mean, don't quote me on this because I haven't tried this yet, but I'm pretty sure I could send that generator to my players and have them use that one. So, because it's something that I, I that we noticed, because um, I went in and I looked at uh, what is in 
the the generator and like some things have a a fair number of things but there are uh some of the things that get generated um it is not a large list so yeah you can run into the like two or more people have the same same background like they're both part of this cult or they both have rainbow mullets or whatever it is so and like you said i i agree that like for a a one shot or the first time you're playing that's fine but like if you want to play more of a campaign and players want to have a little bit more unique characters then editing the generator might be the way to go yeah Though I will say, if you are a GM who's running the game for different people every time, um, or only occasionally the same people, I think as is is fine and a lot of fun. Um, partially because there's actually a lot of detail in the characters they generate. Yeah, um, that it's it's interesting because I find that it's both vague but very rich. So I I've generated a character. Um, you know, there's a name. They talk about height and build and hair and eyes, but they also have like a vibe uh, and what your reputation is and what your side hustle is and a goal you have. And that it's not like a goal that you're probably going to achieve during a game. It's kind of meant to uh, inform your character. But then you also have like special abilities that have, you know, can be a bunch of different things. Um and then you, everybody has their own magic domain, and then you have your own weapon, and then your armor, and what your accessories are, and some pack inventories, your personality type, your blood type, your clearance level, uh, like your love language, your lunch order, uh, demerits I, within yeah. the the organization. Like I, huh. I will say, I think for like one of my favorite things is that uh, the stuff that they have in for all these different things are. It definitely fits the more the mold of like this is a a sillier game. Like one of the reputations is dared not to do drugs, um, <laughs> but like to speak to the like a bunch of players could end up with the same thing. Like there's only four accessories. Yeah. So, well, but like the 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 one thing though is that like yeah, there's only four accessories, but of all of the things that get generated, there's I, I want to say there's probably like at least 50 different things that get generated on your character sheet. So even if you have two things the same as somebody else, or like you're sh- you, you might share a couple of skills with somebody else, there's enough things that are getting randomly generated that you don't have to worry about it so much. Yeah. And I think an additional kind of strength is that like the things can matter as much as the player wants to make them matter. Yeah. So, like, the personality type I generated for this character is Sans Serif. I <laughs> don't know personally how I would use that to inform a character, but I'm sure I have friends who would look at that and go, okay, yeah, I know. I know some things about this character because of this, because they have strong opinions about typography. <laughs> um, but also, there are, like, I'm looking at the pack inventory, right? Um, and for record, there is no mechanics for how anything you have works or any of this stuff works anyway but that means that you have this interesting stuff that you can make work in your favor or to your detriment depending what you try and do with it based on what everybody thinks the most interesting story beat would be so like this character has a sack of extra planar tentacles 
what do those do? Uh, we might find out. The character that I'm looking at has a sack of potatoes. <laughs> nice. This one also has cuttings of the ultraviolet rose. <laughs> and yeah, and the the other thing about subway runners that I I really I really like because it enables like if you're somebody who wants to play games online but you don't want to have to go through the trouble of like finding a bunch of you know graphics and stuff like that to set up a uh, a map to do a D session but you just want to you want to play a game and you don't want to do any prep uh subway runners has you covered there because it's not just the characters like i think we mentioned this it's not just the characters that get generated it's it's everything like the the mission and a bunch of other stuff which you would know more about because you were the the gm for two sessions so yeah so basically how that works is um the gm or i I don't know gm is the official term they use i can't remember but i'm gonna just go with gm uh the gm goes to another random generator on perchance slash subway runners gig and it gives you potential gigs for the subway runners for your subway runners so you get the gig you read it out to your players they decide whether or not they want to take it if they don't you generate another gig um and you know these i think these run against the problem with the generator where they're they often can be very samey partially i think because it's within a sentence structure as opposed to with a list um but you know it's it's easy like i click a thing it gives you a couple of paragraphs it tells you um tells you the gm something the subway runners don't know about whatever they're doing then when they accept it you get into the real meat of the jamming which is when you click next gig or sorry when you tell them to visit the metro information kiosk which gives you the the thing it gives you everything uh well not everything but it gives you a lot of stuff so it includes okay this is what the station they go to looks like these are they you know this is how like what they have for sale this is how well stocked they are and other things this is what their attitude towards subway runners is then it gives you you know the metro admin who's somebody who's there who's kind of like the additional quest giver who can you know answer or tell you about some rumors or maybe help you out later it also equips them which never came up in either of the games but like they always have an item that does a specific amount of wounds so if players walk in and are like ah well we're going to be an asshole and try and fight this guy you know they might pull out a flaming sword that does moderate wounds every time they hit you or rather every time you fail to do anything effectively against them (laughs) um yeah and then you know there are rumors and if the players decide to follow up on the rumors and roll to try and figure out how true they are or the efficacy there's actually um you know you have the list of rumors and then if the players roll a certain something the rumors turn out to be true or they turn out to not be true so not only are those there but the players roll if they decide they're interested in them makes them either be true or untrue then you have a description of what the tunnels are like um and this is actually i think one of the places that i have a lot of kind of criticism for it is because there's just a general description of the tunnels um i had complaints especially in my other game that it was like 
okay, well, we're just going in a straight line. And like, that was, that was partially on me, like not adding a bit of extra descriptor, but like, I do think a thing a, a GM wants to remember while running this is that like a subway line is not just a straight line. There are side corridors and maintenance hatches and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the game also doesn't mention those, so it's easy it's easy to forget to mention them. Yeah, it's one of those things where there, there's there's probably somebody has probably made a tool that does this, but having something that could generate a random subway map, and I think I think part of it is that living in the lower mainland, like my experience with subways is the the SkyTrain here in Vancouver and the uh, part of the subway system in Montreal and that's it. So yeah. like my, my thinking is that like somebody who's used to the New York subway system could probably in their head, think up a much more interesting subway system than us. Cause like our experience with an underground subway is yeah, it's a straight tunnel. <laughs> yeah. And there are four stops and then it comes back out again. <laughs> yeah um yeah like for those of you who don't know the vancouver uh the the sky train here when it goes underground it's four stops and then the train comes back the same way and leaves the underground and, and is on a raised uh rail but like if there was a generator that could like randomly generate a section of a subway map along with like you know maintenance tunnels that could probably really help keep you in the mind of like yeah there's like junctions and the subway might split or there's a maintenance tunnel that can get you there faster if you can find the entrance behind all of these you know busted and patched up tubes and wires and whatnot yeah so that that's you know a little bit of criticism i have there i don't think it makes like i don't think it's a huge issue I think yeah. it's just one of those things you need to remember. Um, also, importantly, under the tunnel sections, um, there will be a note that says something along the line of if they need repair and the crew calls it in, uh, HQ will offer them a certain, like, whatever the reward is to fix it. Uh, and sometimes that's money. Sometimes that's tokens to an arcade. Sometimes <laughs> it is, like, some random object that doesn't seem important. <laughs> Um, so next, uh, a tunnel is populated by critters and a monster. Uh, so the critters, uh, are they're all randomly generated, and it's kind of a list of aspects. So this, this critter I've generated right here is bigger than you'd expect, curious, furred with a thick hide that is hard to pierce, uh, has an expanding gullet, so it'll try to swallow something much larger, uh, and it also roars. And to give you an example of like another one that could come up, the one that I generated is straight up huge, hungry, also furred, their thick hide is hard to pierce, uh, long tongue, can grab prey from a long ways away, and sings. Yeah. And, and like, go ahead, please. Uh, I, like, this is something that I, that I think you mentioned is that like, because it doesn't say what the creature, what the critter is, um, like the the descriptor of like long tongue can grab prey from a long ways. It's like, okay, this is like a frog or like a uh, chameleon or something. Um, and the fact that it's a, like a randomly generated list of attributes, like 
I, I'd have to take a look at, the, at what these attributes could be, but I could see the, the, the generator throwing up a critter that I would not know how to describe. Yeah, and I mean, you can use what they have. I, I do think half the fun of critters is using only just the description words that they provide you and seeing what your players come up with, uh, which is a thing I did do <laughs> in the previous one. Um, so on top of the critters, there are also monsters. Uh, and uh, that should be monster sing- singular. Uh, so they also have a bunch of descriptors, but then they also have descriptors that are related to powers. So um, a monster can be shimmering, which means it can turn invisible for short periods of time. Um, you know, or what's another one? Oh, they might have leathery wings so they can fly or they emit like a, a dark gas or a dark smoke, which means they can teleport and stuff like that. Um, so a question I've got for you, the monster that was generated on mine is moves like liquid, sharp weapons are less effective. Um, I'm guessing that there's probably something in the rules about what less effective means, or is that something that you kind of have to like think it up on the fly? What does it mean when a weapon is less effective? So I imagine with a weapon, it just would do one step down for what kind of wounds it usually inflicts. Right. Okay. Um, And if it already is a lesser wound or a minor wound, maybe it doesn't do anything. Um, That's what I, that's what I would do. That's the call I would make, but uh, it's kind of, it's specifically left up for interpretation uh, as is stuff like emits poison, poisonous odor, causes severe distraction well there, there's no room for distract or rules for distraction but that's kind of where you're like oh yeah maybe all of your rolls are one less d6 or something like that like that's where you that's where you and the players talk about what what the consequence for that effect should be yeah and i think this is one of those things that I could see how the table enjoys the game depends greatly on how much they're used to rules being there that tell them everything. Like poisoned means this, distracted means this, and like having all of these things set out so that, you know, you know that like, okay, if I get poisoned, I know that there are, there's a couple of abilities, a couple of spells and a potion that'll make that go away and I don't have to worry about it. But I could see some tables having a lot of trouble with some of these effects because one of the things that can be tricky with these kinds of games is when when a character goes to attack and then they find out like oh touching this creature means you're poisoned and you know about that because you're the first person to attack and now you're poisoned and now we have to decide what poisoned means it can be a little bit tricky because you know it feels like you're you're being punished for being the first to attack and so like you might the player might want to mitigate what poison means but the rest of the table is like yeah you're poisoned okay let's figure out what that means yeah so it's an interesting thing Uh, i think also because i do think that this game is really specifically intended for one shots like a single play games you could definitely run the same character for multiple games because you can always save characters you generate as pdfs 
Um, but I don't think that's where the game's strength lies. Um, so it's, I think it's one of those kind of things where, like, I, I, I can't speak for you, Sean, but I know that when I play in one-shots, I'm far less concerned about if my character makes it out. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. I'm just... My experience with with some with some tables that I've I've GM'd for and played at is that like that that kind of uh, like variability like there's people I know that would have trouble with that and I guess it's just a, a GM thing that you have to be aware of uh, you know if you have a player who is has a tendency to be kind of rules lawyery that you might have to take the reins a little bit more than a group that is happy to you know go wild with the more storytelling aspect of a game like this yeah well i think the thing about subway runners is it's kind of the thing about all games really they're they're not for everybody right yeah. like D 5e isn't for everybody for some people it's too crunchy for some people it's not crunchy enough uh and on and on like but look that's like any game right like a game can be perfectly good but it'll still not be for some people um, yeah what else is what else do we have that is randomly generated ah consequences and magical mishaps um so sometimes you fail in the things you do um and this is actually a part where i kind of wish uh, and maybe i would make a document that includes all of the different variations they have and refer to it or roll on it instead of just using the one that they kind of include so, you know, they'll have a minor, moderate, severe, and apocalyptic. Um, some of the apocalyptic ones can be fun for magical mishaps anyway. But some like of them you open you open a portal to old Poik Apocalypse po- no polis and it pulls you to the distant past. Like that's a weird, fun apocalyptic mishap for a magical spell. Yeah. And now you're an entirely different game. <laughs> But some of them just blow up the planet. Um, <laughs> and that can be funny. But like if you're having a good time playing and somebody like really messes up a role, I think that uh, is is quite a bit less funny. Um, yeah. And these are suggestions and they're kind of to give you a gist. So you can adjust. But like I do wish there was a bit more. The consequences are less, less uh, bad. Like I've got kind of a list here and there's low moderate and severe risk so low is like a sprained ankle moderate is like the runner is exhausted which counts as a wound and a severe risk is the runner is terrified um and the consequences when do those come up is that just a consequence for failing a role it's for failing a role and i think the idea can be um that they start to uh kind of stack so if you have a low one and then you mess up again you might get a moderate one and stuff like that uh but it's kind of unclear and that is a bit of a problem with the fact that the game is so uh slight in its way right like it's not very long there's not a lot there's not pages and pages and pages to it which means that like there's some stuff missing and this is kind of a place uh where i feel like that's the you know that's the fact that's what it is right um i think for the like consequences that are like more basic like oh you sprain your ankle i think those are fine it's easy to extrapolate a similar thing um but for the magical mishaps especially i think that's like it's more swingy 
Uh, and some of them are just jokes, like, which is great. Yeah, like I remember in the game that we played, uh, I got saddled with the magical mishap of a a a group of um, a barbershop uh, quartet, I believe. Yeah, it's a miniature barbershop quartet would follow me around and sing whatever it was that I was doing. And that provided some hilarity when it happened in the middle of a fight where we were trying to like sneak around and attack from cover. And I had this small little miniature barbershop quartet singing about what was happening, which made it very easy to pinpoint where I was. Yep. Um, and so, you know, and that, that kind of lends to the thing I think is interesting about the game is they say that, yeah, the players and the GM establish the tone. But I think what they're forgetting is that a lot of the details they have within this also establish a tone, um, which is it's a bit silly. Like that that's kind of how it's supposed to be. Like another minor magical mishap is that your spells only work if you preface them with Higgledy Bottom Wampus Pantsopopia. Yeah. And there's it's kind of a tricky thing because like um that this tone thing is something that's kind of it's a similar problem shared with paranoia where the game says like in the rules it has like oh you can play this game more seriously or you can play it as this more uh silly game or you can play it as a complete slapstick thing but the way that the the rules and like the module that i have and all of that stuff the way that it all flows is that it's it's a silly game it's not a wacky slapstick it's not a you know serious post-apocalyptic game it's a it's a kind of silly game where you have six clones that can die for almost no reason. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think uh, enough about the consequences. There's also another important thing that I, I like about it, which is that there is, which we never actually got to use in either of the games. There is a day above ground. Um, and basically the idea is characters are too exhausted or kind of give up for the day and decide to come back and uh, as you play you get wounds um which can be healed but you also get um stress points which you can actually spend to resist consequences and stuff like that or to help your rules but if you get too many stress points you get a trauma so one of the way to get to clear out your stress points is you spend a day above ground and the game generates some questions about what's going on. So, oh, how, how's the weather today? Or what's this parade about? Um, but they also include, meanwhile, in the tunnel, something happens. So if you take some time away, you further complicate it. Um, it also has some left field complications. Like you get an invitation to the Forest King's wedding and it's tonight. <laughs> or there's a ghost train that lets you tr- climb aboard or tries to get you to climb aboard and stuff like that. The one that I really like is all the lights turn red and the PA systems begin repeat uh, reporting. Everything is fine. No need to panic on repeat. Oh, I have that one too. It's very good. Um, so there are two other things that are randomly generated for your quest. One is what the trauma is. And this is another one where I wish there were multiple options. Yeah, um, just because if you give everybody the same trauma, the one I have is now you lose all chill to each to like multiple characters as they get different traumas. It feels kind of like kind of like a cop out. Yeah, it kind of exposes the fact that you're playing a game that only gave you this one option. 
Yeah. And so that's, that's one of those things where I would like either to make my own list or if they had kind of another one just for traumas or whatever, right? Or just like a master list page where it just had all of it and I could just pick one or roll on a table or whatever. Um, the fact that there's only one does kind of make it difficult sometimes. From from looking at these the generators i think like the way that they've set up these generators i think it's it's an it's amazing because it means that you can get up and running in like five minutes or less like the the rules explainer is pretty quick and then you just say okay everybody go to this site generate a character and uh just use the first one that you get or you have like two free reloads to get a character you like or something and the gm just you know loads up the the two generators and then you're off to the races but something that the, these generators like to your point of like having more than one trauma or uh like having some of these sections have more than just one thing um i think something that could help is because if you want to reload the page to get a new trauma then you lose everything else on the page but what would be nice as a feature and i have no expectation that they're going to do this but like if there was just a button next to trauma that you could press and it would give you a new trauma and everything else stays the same that'd be pretty nice yeah uh, another issue i have with trauma is the use of the term trauma because the most of these things are like they affect your character but a lot of them are kind of jokey and i don't know if like trauma is the appropriate term for them uh, yeah i hindrance would probably be a better way of putting it yeah um because like i can read you because there's only nine of them but it's you become rude or obsessive or nervous or distracted or romantic or brave to a fault or unfailingly honest um or you lose all chill or one is just don't talk to you before you've had coffee um yeah i I don't know if trauma is the appropriate name for it yeah um but yeah i think hindrance or uh, even personality quirk or something because that seems to be more what they are um yeah i think especially for a game that is in many ways very light in tone even though it also has like a horrible capital you're just living in a horrible capitalistic hellscape in the game yeah. um, uh, i think they should have i don't know i feel like i would have preferred if they went a bit harder on them so they actually seemed like traumas or they just used a different word yeah yeah all right there's so what there's one other thing they they include which is what happens when you get a promotion which is a thing like characters have uh stuff they can fulfill in order to get a promotion and it's usually like you could choose to add one to one of your skills or something along those lines this and this is something that um i think this is where the this is not really a system meant to be played long term like you can play a one shot that is you know, several hours and you maybe get a promotion or two while you're playing. But like the the one that I'm looking at, the promotion is add one to any action with a zero rating. And the character sheet that I'm looking at, there's only one action with a zero rating. Yeah. And like, you know, the thing about this game, since it is randomly generated, you could potentially, though it is incredibly unlikely, get a character that you know has four and everything or has zero and everything um 
Like that's potentially a thing. I don't think I know anyone who would play a character with those writings. Essentially means you can't do anything very well. Um, so like you can have characters where that's great, but yeah, if you have a character with, who has no zero ratings, which is possible, then that promotion is useless. <laughs> yeah, although I I would guess that the like I'm looking at the uh, the generator and like the like what you can change for the character sheet generator, and um, I don't think. Yeah, the list of actions isn't something that you can edit. Like you can change what the list of love languages, the clearance levels, their blood type, what their armor is, what weapon they start with, their magic domain, their name, like a whole bunch of stuff. But the list of available actions and the range isn't something you can edit. So my guess is that they've the code that powers the generator has something in there to make sure that um that like the average skill is like 1.5 like you might have one at four you might have a couple at three you might have a couple at zero but most of them are going to be ones and twos because because yeah like if the generator could spit out a character where all of the the actions were rated zero if if a player if i was jamming for a player and they said i got all zeros i'd tell them to reload yeah well, and like uh, part of part of even the rules for like quote unquote character generation is that they're supposed to just refresh until they have a character that they like. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's kind of the that's what you get when you randomly roll up something. Uh, a thing I do find a little bit frustrating in some of them is that some of them have an effect where like the closer you get to the line magical effects start to happen like to the players like i think the one when you guys played was you grow cat ears um right yeah and i think they have them under those like from left field things but i i feel like stuff like that like an environmental effect that just happens would be nice if it was separated out because i will often lose those things in the kind of giant single rolling page of text that is the adventures yeah i i think the other feature that would be nice is if there was a column mode so that you could have the text that the GM has to look at be split into multiple columns. And the same thing for the character sheet, honestly. Yeah, though I do think that all said, we are at this point kind of quibbling about yeah. small details from a $3 game. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Like it's... It, at the end of the day, it's it's a three dollar game that was a lot of fun to play and and very silly, but at it was enjoyable and silly. Like that's all you can really ask for from a like a three dollar game with this tone. Yeah, and like honestly, I think I would pay more for it. Like I would probably pay be willing to pay ten dollars for this game if I had played it before. Like I don't think that's an un a reasonable amount of money to request for it. Like and the other thing is, you know, it's it's a game that's made by a couple of people. They're a small studio. They don't have hundreds of people that they can get to play test it and like tell them all of the little quibbles and then work it out. It's, you know, a thing we should endeavor to understand about indie games, especially uh, ones that are smaller, like smaller and more personal, like or like this one. This was inspired by like just a piece of 
like art or a comic panel or something like that that one of the creators saw and was like i'm just gonna build a whole game around this yeah Um, which is fantastic is it's this type of thing i love to see but you know you have to understand that sometimes those games won't be as uh crafted as like a bigger game like pathfinder or even like some of the powered by the apocalypse games that like evil hat and other publishers like that put out yeah i will say though that from looking through the the gig and like the the way that these generators work um and the fact that at perchance.org you can um they've got like if you just go to perchance.org slash generators they have all of the generators that people have uh created i don't know if they they hold on to all of them forever um because yeah i'm only seeing ones from like a couple of yeah it looks like they only hold on to ones that are like for a couple of days as long as they're being used but i could see myself uh using these generators um oh it's just recently updated so yeah it's they probably hold on to them forever because they're probably not it's probably not a lot of storage to store the prompts and everything for the generator but for this i could i could see myself using this site as a tool to create generators that could be useful in other games like the big one would be um a tavern generator for 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 almost any game like numenera DD, whatever but like to be able to like open up a page and refresh and get like a couple of unique characters and some items from the menu and some rumors and you know prices and like just to get a whole bunch of stuff without having to do it beforehand so that i can be surprised in the moment i i think that's um outside of just subway runners being a fun and entertaining game like this is a useful tool for gms oh absolutely especially if uh like you sean the GM in question knows some stuff about programming. <laughs> yeah. So like, like, I think for you, this would be a useful tool for me. It would be a useful <laughs> tool if you made a thing and then shared it with me. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, it looks like there are, uh, I want to say like maybe a hundred that show up in the recently generated, but there's also a search function and there are already a bunch of, tavern generators that people have created excellent (laughs) and and like some of these are like really simple uh one of them just spits out a a paragraph of kind of hard to read text but the fact that there are already a bunch here and like you can probably find generators for whatever game it is you're playing what for whatever kind of circumstance you've run into so highly recommend checking it out yeah and i also, I think highly recommend checking out Subway Runners. It's uh, a lot of fun for like a few hours. I do think there's a lot of replayability, especially if you're running it for different people a lot of the time, or you know, people who don't mind that they might get repeat details on characters, because that's not as much of an issue for some people as like as others. And like, go ahead. I was just gonna say that I could see this being a game that I play once every couple of months because of the the way that the the generators spit things out for for subway runners 
um like if you if it was a game that you played like once a month i could see like the some of the things that pop up very often like starting to like oh we had this like last month and the month before like but if it's a game that you play like every once in a while or like you said with a new group of friends every time or a different mix of friends then yeah they could be a lot of fun to play more often yeah i also want to say that the uh the aesthetic of the game and like the pdf i also really enjoyed as well as in the the character sheets they generate because they're not just plain character sheets with no detail they are you know they have a very specific design yeah and it's yeah the 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 color scheme and everything is great and um for those of you who want to use the the site to make your own generators it shows you what you can do if you put some uh, some elbow grease into the generator you make yeah because the we didn't talk about this but the character sheets are also great like they're browser-based but you can fill in details on them like there are boxes to like increase a skill if you increase it or you know mark damage or mark that you've uh gotten one of your like personal promotion uh requirements done yeah so overall uh yeah we i recommend subway runners uh i haven't run it yet but as a player uh i think it was a, a very fun experience and uh and like Jesse said, it's it's three bucks. Go pick yeah. it up. Support these guys. Yeah, I give it seven gigs out of ten. I guess. <laughs> um, no, wait. What's one of the what's one of the rewards? Let's let's do this properly. I love that the rewards for the gigs are often very silly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> writing for Subway Runners, seven free dinners at Jumbo's Clown Room out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's everything that we've got to say about Subway Runners. You should play it. And also, Sean, you should run a game where I get to play sometime. Yes, that is a thing that I could see happening sometime eventually. Honestly, I don't want should... to say soonish because I don't know what my schedule is like right now. <laughs> Honestly, we could do it on party night. That is true. That is very true. Yeah, we could do like a two-parter or something like that. Yeah. Time for new outro? Yes. The new outro, which I definitely have open. Okay. Thanks again for listening to our show. We are proud members of the Cave Goblin Podcast Network. Find us and other shows at cavegoblins.com. You can support us and the network by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cavegoblins or by joining our Discord, where we are hoping to get the DMs kind of channel a bit more active now that we're going to be playing more games and recording episodes again <laughs> yep uh you can also support us by leaving a review on itunes spotify or wherever it is that you listen to the show you can find us on twitter at dms of vancouver you can find me at jesse boros and you can find sean at sean p hagan and our theme music is overworld by kevin mcleod and you can find more of his work at a comp in yeah, at incompetech.com you should keep the fumble in uh yep. Our art is done by the wonderful and excellent Haley Boros, who was kind enough to leave the door open when she left the room and is much better in here. Um, you can see uh, all of her work at HaleyBoros.com. And also, actually, let me pull this up. She's got another Kickstarter starting soon, and I'm going to be sure to promote that on our Twitter and in our Discord. Good idea. Yeah. Uh, are you going to tell us what it is, or should I move on to the last thing? 
I don't have a link handy, so I will say that it is a follow-up to her one from last year, where it is Tales of Our Dog, now Tales of Our Dogs, on Fantasy Adventures Together. Cool. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll drop a link to that on Twitter and in the Discord when it goes live. Yeah. And that's all for this episode. Hope to see you out there at the gaming table. Yeah, have a good one. And, uh, well, don't roll for initiative. There's no initiative in Subway Runners. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, my name is Eric. I'm Piers. And this is Podcast vs. Podcast. You're listening to us here on the Cave Goblin Network. We take turns pitching podcasts to each other. We're trying to find a good podcast to do because we don't have any ideas. So turn off whatever show you're listening to. Turn on our show. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.